electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. Here's what's on tap tonight. Netflix and Thrill, the streaming giant popping on better-than-expected earnings, adding more subscribers than expected, raising prices in the U.S., U.K., and France, and boasting about the ad-supported tier. We'll go inside those numbers coming up. Plus, Brokerage Blues shares of Morgan Stanley clocked down nearly 7% today. The staggering stat from their CFO about how much cash their clients are hoarding that's ahead. And later, closing in, the tenure getting ever so close to hitting 5%, the move rattling the mortgage market and stocks. So are rates close to peaking, or is this just the start of a major move higher? I'm Melissa Lee, coming to you live from Studio B at the NASDAQ on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. We will drill down on that rip higher in rates and the ripple effects on the markets in just a few minutes. But we begin tonight with Netflix shares soaring up 12% after hours. Netflix getting a boost from subscriber growth and a new ad tier subscription. CNBC's Julia Borston here to take us inside the numbers. Julia. Melissa, that 12% jump of Netflix shares, that all comes down to the company adding 8.76 million subscribers, a huge subscriber beat, three and a quarter million more subscribers than anticipated. This all, or in large part, thanks to a successful crackdown on password sharing. The company is saying, quote, the cancel reaction continues to be low, exceeding our expectations. And borrower households converting into full paying memberships are demonstrating healthy retention. Now, the company also saying that the adoption of its ads plan continues to grow with membership of those plans accounting for 30 percent of signups, up 70 percent quarter over quarter. To push more subscribers to its ad plan, Netflix is keeping the price of its ad-supported and standard plan the same, but they just announced that they are hiking the price of the basic plan by $2 to $12 a month and the price of the premium plan by $3 to $23 a month. The company is saying it has a, quote, exceptionally strong fall and winter schedule coming up. They also say they're working to what they call fuel the fandom with new consumer products and experiences. They talked about developing what they're calling Netflix House, a physical flagship destination to offer food and retail tied to their shows. We'll see if we hear more about that in the call, which starts in an hour. Melissa? All right, Julia, thanks. Julia Borson holding on to that 12% gain here in the after-hour session. Lots to like here. They're also raising their fiscal year 23 cash flow estimate by a billion and a half dollars. That's a huge raise here, Karen. It's a huge raise. I mean, there was tons to like. Obviously, that subscriber number was huge. Even the U.S., which you think would be more saturated, and it's the most profitable market. That had some nice growth. Europe, Middle East, Africa, very big growth there. Um, the, the, the cash flow was very, very good. It's interesting. They are just really pulling away from the streaming pack in terms of their, the momentum is still there in terms of subscribers, but also the business model is still there, right? The generation of free cash flow, that's uh, sort of the, they're, they're the, the only one. Um, there's a lot to like. I don't know what, what the right price is exactly. They've not been great historically at guidance. The one thing I found hilarious about this entire release was the revenue exactly hit the street. 
Just the revenue. Nothing else. I don't know how that works. Their guidance is all and the over ads, the And the ads, the ads beat. And the ads <laughs> beat dramatically. Yes, that's a very good point. Thank so, you for bringing that up. Because that, that was what weighed on the stock a lot. Remember that an executive said, you know, it's harder than we thought. They had that executive change there. So that was a, that was a nice surprise. And then, of course, when you raise prices and your costs don't go up, that's a giant benefit for, yep. for margins. And, and guess what? There's there's more of those subs coming. I mean, I, I think if you think about the $100 million in, in sharing accounts, whatever you want to call that, um, there's there's a cadence and a sequencing for getting those folks online. And based upon the success they've had, I think this is what analysts are going to be able to put into these numbers. But, but Karen, you hit the, I mean, the, the, it's all about free cash flow. When you consider that, that Paramount, Disney, um, Warner Brothers, anybody who's in this business will combine lose, you know, $8 billion or, or essentially have that kind of negative free cash flow. And these guys went from five billion guide to six and a half guide. It's all about free cash flow. And at a time when um, maybe the right of strike goes on, maybe it doesn't significantly longer. But the, the it, that also seems to favor Netflix. And, and at a time when uh, they've said they're probably going to be around, they've been 17 billion or so in terms of that, in terms of spend on content, um, they could spend more. And, and, you know, I mean, things like, I don't know, Beckham guy, you watch Beckham. I love Beckham. It's awesome. No, it's, I mean, it's, Trending. it's, it's hot. It's hot. It, this is still a stock that came from $485. So the, the, I think the bar was set pretty low for them to, to step over it. I would have bet against this. I think this was pretty impressive. Having said that, lower highs since that 485 top. They had to beat 387 on a price. They did after hours. So slightly higher, higher low. If you will, yeah, I said that right. Slightly higher low. It makes me a little more bullish for the setup. But if you look at the 50% retracement, that's 414. A lot of wood to chop. It's interesting that Steve makes the point we're back where we were, I believe, on October 10th in terms of price. So a lot of work. Here we are back there. And the last couple of days haven't been particularly good. So you're probably right. You know, a lot of expectations were low. They beat street. That struck out, that stuck out to me as well. You beat ads by $3 million. Your revenue is in line like Something doesn't mesh. Maybe Rich Greenfield can figure that out for us. With that said, everything else is pretty good. So maybe this recent low on decent volume will be in for a period of time. Does this augur well for the other streamers, or does it just prove that Netflix is beating everybody's pants off? I think the latter. Pants off, that's the option? I think so. (laughs) Not pants on. It's a new series. (laughs) Color me some of the people. I was kind of hoping to be able to buy this lower. I mean, I I definitely thought it was going to go lower on this print. And and so um, they've also announced a $10 billion uh, pencil repurchase. And so that's something that I I think is not necessarily, um, you know, something they need to go ahead and do with their capital. But it's something that I think is really impressive. And it shows where the free cash flow is. I don't think that we're hearing this kind of progress in other businesses. And the other dynamic here is every one of those other companies I mentioned before has a legacy cable business that's dying. Um, and, and there's a lot of money being spent to figure out what to do with that or at least try to salvage the best part of those assets. And they don't, Netflix doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Pants off, camp guy. Mm. Pardon me? <laughs> there's a oh, in terms of, be, uh, sorry, I was, you know, you had me thinking about this. <laughs> yes, I think it's Netflix world. Everybody else lives in it. So they're just beating their competition right now. And this speaks to that. I mean, if Disney bounces on the back of this, it's probably somewhat misguided. Again, let's see to the extent that there's a conference call guidance, how it reacts. But at least the knee-jerk reaction, obviously, is pretty the, good. The two tailwinds were password sharing, the crackdown there. So obviously, we see that has more legs to go on that side of it. And the writer's strike. For me, that was a, that was a tailwind for Netflix. We have to be closer to the end on both of those than the beginning for obvious reasons. So I think that's why it shocked a lot of people. 
But I think those tailwinds are probably dissipating. All right. For more on Netflix, let's bring in analyst Rich Greenfield, the co-founder of Lightshed Partners, who's been listening into our conversation. So, Rich, let's first, you know, if you can walk us through sort of the technical aspect of the of the quarter, and that is the big pop in ad revenues and then the inline in overall revenue. Can you sort of walk us through that math? Look, I think the reality is Netflix is focused on growing average revenue per member. They call it ARM. It's basically ARPU in every other company. It doesn't matter where the revenue comes from. I mean, they're offering an ad tier now. They're telling you about 30% of subscribers are taking it. For Disney, I think on the last call, they said about 40% of their subscribers are taking the ad tier. I mean, remember, Melissa, most people, like most people who have the moochers, who are the password sharers that are now shifting over, most of them are still choosing ad-free. Like, people are used to Netflix being ad-free. They're used to Disney+. Plus. I mean, I think people like ad-free content. You'll see more and more advertising-based subscribers. It will take time. But I think the real message is here is investors shouldn't care where the, the, the revenue comes from, advertising or subscription, however it works out. The key is Netflix is now growing revenue, double digit. Margins are going back to 20 percent, generating six and a half billion for free cash flow, while everybody else is literally running for cover under pressure from activists trying to stay alive, like cutting back on programming spend trying to raise price dramatically to improve profitability. Nobody else is investing. I mean, it really feels like Netflix this quarter is running away from the pack. So he's in the pants off camp. Yeah. Off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so uh, it's Karen. Thanks for being on today. Obviously, you were you've been very bullish. You had a big number, a uh, big target rather uh, going into this print. How do you get there? How do you think about how to value this business? I think the reality is, is you're seeing it, right? They are dominating. I mean, they're almost at 250 million users globally, and they're just getting started. I mean, they still only have 40-plus million-ish subscribers in Asia. That number is going to be hundreds of millions over time. So there is still a tremendous amount of long-term runway. But I think the big news today, I mean, I know everyone's focused on earnings, but that really is the smaller story in my mind. The big news is John Lasseter the chief creative officer of Pixar, who's created almost all of the films that you, your family and friends love, is now working long term with Netflix. Skydance Animation has moved its animated films over from Apple TV Plus to Netflix exclusively for years and years to come. That is a, you know, animation is the one category Netflix has not done a good job in. And I think they would admit it. This is a huge, bold move. There's two animation companies, right? There's Disney and there's Universal. Universal has certainly taken that crown over the last few years. I think it would have been unimaginable to put Netflix in the same category as Disney and Universal Illumination uh, from an animation standpoint. And I think today you can do that, Karen. So, Rich, if you if you look at Netflix, they're the pure play. They're the leader of the pack. They're running away from the herd, as you just said. Who is the first in that herd that's chasing them? I mean, look, Disney's by far the best position um, to, to be number two. I think the real question is, what exactly is Disney trying to create? You know, obviously, Bob Iger spoke on CNBC in that, you know, sort of epic David Faber interview from Sun Valley several months ago, you know, talking about sort of how they're going to strategically shift. You know, are they keeping ESPN and ABC they're, they're obviously buying Hulu soon for Comcast, probably for a much bigger price than the $9 billion Disney would like. I mean, 
it, this is a pretty important strategic asset to Disney. It's hard to imagine it's not a 13, 14, 15 billion type number to Comcast. And so what do they do with Hulu? How do they fold it into Disney Plus? What happens to ESPN? How does that go over the top? Like there's a, whether or not Disney focuses on what they're good at, which is family entertainment, or they try to be much, much broader and try to take on Netflix globally. I think that's still the big unanswered question facing Iger and, the, and Disney over this next 12 to 18 months that investors are really trying to figure out. And look, it's why Disney stock is at a what 12 or 13 year low is I think people are really struggling to figure out what does Disney look like in one, two, three years? What's the earnings power where it is today? It feels like there's a lot of pressure. Uh, you, Someone mentioned before I came on sort of the challenges facing the linear TV business, you know, cable and broadcast networks. That pressure isn't going away. It's going to intensify over the next couple of years. And so Disney would be that strongest challenger. But I also think you can't count out WBD. I mean, I think, you know, David Zaslav, um, you certainly have a great brand in that content. The question is, is do they have the balance sheet and can they, you know, re they're reducing leverage, but can they get to the point where they can actually build and invest? Rich, always great to get your take. Thank you. Thank you. Rich Greenfield, Lightshed Partners. Um, so Disney the second, Tim, how are you feeling about it these days? Uh, I, I think the valuation of Disney makes sense. I, I think there's also extreme cost control focus, and that may not be what you want as they have no choice. Um, I think they're Disney's reliant and, and uh, has to plan around significant transactions, though, and that's a big deal. And, and so I, the question is, does Netflix want to be on offense here? Because it almost seems like they could be. And, we, you know, animation is at least staying in the same lane. How about gaming? How about other places where at one point we thought maybe Netflix would be? Is this their time just to stay focused on what they're doing and build a pile of cash? Because that's what it feels like they're doing. Um, I think it would be interesting to see them get into some of these other growth areas, too. Would you want to see Netflix enter game? If, if Netflix said on the call, on the conference call or the video cast, whatever you want to call it later on, happens at 6 o'clock, that it was getting into gaming. Do you think the stock goes higher tomorrow morning than where it is now? Higher. An additional Because they, they talk, I mean, remember years ago, I think Reed Hastings talked about the two yeah. obstacles in front of them were sleep and gaming. Right. So you, it's hard to combat sleep, but you can combat gaming. So I think the market would give them a, more than a pass on that. I think they would champion that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You're, you're searching for hours during the day to occupy eyeballs. But what I found interesting is the Comcast angle of it, because we've talked about Hulu. And if Hulu is worth greater than was suspected, then that's, a, then, then that's definitely a bullish call on Comcast. So Comcast is thrown in that would you rather rather. Mm. No? I, I no? didn't ask. Early? I mentioned that 5.14. First day back. 5.14. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get to Tesla here. The stock is uh, hovering around the flat line despite an earnings miss and a big drop in margin. CNBC's Phil Abos got the details. Phil. Well, it's a little bit higher after hours, Melissa, despite missing on the top on the bottom line. And that's because the gross auto margins, excluding zero emission vehicle credits, appear to have come in slightly better than what the street was expecting. Let's do the numbers and then the numbers within the numbers that people are really paying attention to. Earning 66 cents a share in the third quarter, Tesla was shy of expectations of 23 cents a share. Revenue, light of expectations, but not by a lot. 23.35 billion versus 24 billion. Gross auto margins, excluding credits. Expected at 17.5%, came in by most calculations at 17.9%. And then you have these numbers. Adjusted EBIT margin at 16.1%. That's down from 23% a year ago. 7.6% operating margin. It was 17% a year ago. And operating cash flow of $3.34 billion. 
Then there is the question of deliveries, and we just got some news within the last couple of minutes. First of all, when they put out the release, they reaffirmed their guidance of delivering 1.8 million vehicles this year, which means they need to have a fairly strong fourth quarter, a record fourth quarter, we should say, a record quarter for deliveries, and then the Cybertruck announcement. The company said in the release that they are on schedule for deliveries this year, and just a few minutes ago, Elon Musk tweeted out that they will do a delivery event at Giga Texas on November 30th. So as you take a look at shares of Tesla, keep in mind that the real news is going to come here in a few minutes, Melissa. That's when the conference call begins. And a lot of questions Elon Musk will be facing regarding pricing pressure, particularly in China and in Europe. Now, I should point out, during the last conference call, remember they do these the, the, the questions from investors, hand-picked questions, if you will, and the pricing questions didn't really come up until well into the call. Let's see how quickly they address it this time around uh, and what kind of news we get. And again, that starts at 530. Yep. Phil, thank you. Keep us posted. Phil LeBeau. Um, it, it is a peculiar move in, the, in terms of the after hours. Not really a big movement as we normally see from Tesla. What do you make of this quarter? It's amazing how, how low vol it is when you consider. And by the way, if you look at the chart, also we're tested in these after markets, and I realize it's after markets. But this uptrend from January 3rd is very much intact with multiple tests along the way. So um, the fact that they're holding deliveries uh, in line is, I think, the most important part. The price cuts, I believe, are not... Uh, as significant as they should be. This is a company also that's going to have $850 million in free cash flow in that quarter. So it's a company that's generating free cash in a business that, again, this sounds a little bit like Netflix with other streamers, right? It sounds a little bit like the other EV guys can't make money here. I'm not a champion of this stock, mostly because I think the valuation at this point is not something I get behind. But it's hard to argue with they're consistent here. They're talking about deliveries over necessarily worrying about pricing and margin because they ultimately could sweat people if they want to. That's right. It's interesting. I'm looking at total gross margin. X regulatory credits came in. Now, number might be wrong, but 16.3 percent. The street was at 17.6. I I don't know if that's correct. I'm sure Gene will know if and when he's on. But it's a margin story and it's a free cash flow story. Free cash flow was disappointing. Margin seemingly so as well. But if that margin number is wrong and it's close to what Phil said, maybe the market's giving them a pass. The X credit always causes a, yeah. a ripple in this whole analysis. But I mean, if you think of whatever the margin level is, if you think that most of the price cuts are in now, mm -hmm. that there aren't that many more price cuts to come, <clears throat> then maybe margins have hit a trough. And so that's the bull and, case. And the cost of, uh, the cost well, of each vehicle has decreased in, ter you know, in terms of the commodities, the batteries, et cetera. All that has that's come down. Well, if you're making also if you're making more product mm -hmm. through the same, you know, you leverage right. a lot of overhead, mm -hmm. even if even if costs move up a little bit. So I know that wasn't this quarter, but we expect them to make a lot more cars. Yep. Right. Do we care about Cybertruck? I mean, I, you know, yeah, I think you do because the margins are going to be bigger on there. They're, they're coming from a very low bar. But to your point, you're sacrificing and your point as well. They're sacrificing margins for bigger share. But now with the UAW, that headwind has taken Ford and GM out of the EV business. It's Tesla. Well, it hasn't taken them out of the business. Oh, they lose money hand over fist. They're bleeding. They're hemorrhaging. Their margins are terrible. It's Tesla's game to lose. But the strike didn't do that. I mean, they were. I mean, There's, your point is well taken that they're distracted and that these are businesses that aren't making money. But I think they're going to be real competitors. I think the whole the whole argument against Tesla for me is valuation and competition. I realize they're far ahead, but um, I, you know, I'm not ready to give up on Detroit and EV. Mm. The one thing in the Tesla release I thought was interesting was the deposits. Which the street was looking for um, 1.03 came at 894. 
And so I'm wondering why is that? What is it fewer deposits? You know, you need a smaller deposit. Mm -hmm. Is that how much is that translated historically into sales? How good of a, of a read is that? Yeah, I don't wow. know. We'll have much more on Tesla's quarter in uh, just a few minutes. Uh, the conference calls will get underway in about 10 minutes' time. We'll also have Gene Munster uh, on to give us his analysis. Meantime, let's get to the unstoppable tenure. Yields today closing in on 5%, topping out at 4.93%. That, again, is the highest level since 2006. Today's spike pushing rates on the 30-year fixed mortgage to 8%. Homebuyers have not seen that number since 2000. As you'd imagine, all this taking a toll on the builders. XHB down over 2.5%. And everything surrounding the housing trade, RH, Wayfair, Sherwin-Williams, Masco, you name it, they all got hit hard, too. Gold, a rare bright spot in the market, dominated by losses today. Um, it is now up by nearly 5.5% this month, just $30 away from $2,000 an ounce. Guy. I think it's just getting started. I'll shelve that for a second. The bond market is absolutely the story. Rick Santelli was on here a couple weeks ago, set a close above four and three quarters, which sort of set the path to 5%. We saw a pullback after the Middle East situation a couple weekends ago to 455, and now here we are at 491 or so. This is not good. And again, Japanese trying to defend their bond market, their currency, they're selling treasuries, the Fed's not buying Who's buying our debt? Somebody is, but at a much yeah. higher yield, and that's what you're seeing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Gold's going a lot higher, a, a lot higher. Gold's traded great through a difficult period. I, I'll go back to also the mortgage market and just talk about that Mortgage Banking Association index uh, of mortgage applications that are in. It's now 15%, the all-time low after the great financial crisis. You tell me what's going on in the housing market. I don't care about lack of supply. I'm telling you, prices come down when you can no longer afford um, one half the house, because it was all about uh, monthly payments. It was all about about really what you could afford to, to live on. And, and I just, uh, you know, I, these numbers speak for themselves. Uh, I, I think what's going on in the bond market is, you know, somewhere around 5% we're going to run into a little resistance. It's not going higher forever. Guys' arguments about central banks are dead on. Um, and at some point, the economy's not going to look like 6% growth in the third quarter. That's not helping this on top of Treasury. But this was a big day, and equities gave ground by the end of the day. So, so when you look at treasuries and when you look at rates, you have to, the Fed has to actually say they're going to stop, and they're not saying that. They have, no, they have a vested interest in saying they're not going to stop. They have to continue to fight inflation. But when you see the Fed stop, and you know that cut is coming, it's sooner rather than later, you're going to see rates crater from here. And that will put a boost into the equity market. So I'm, I'm, I'm not so higher, for, but higher for longer. You're saying is not higher for longer. I, th I think you said sooner think, than later. I think in uh, from August 30th, we've seen treasuries increase by 84 bips. So what is the Fed doing at this point? The, the market's done it for them. Market's done a lot. Um, the question is, higher for longer, as we were saying yesterday, is a gear, is a choice for the Fed. And it is something that I think rather than cutting is at least everything they've told us. You, you may be right. I just don't think faster, to, I, we all know that the Fed only controls the short end, right? The Fed doesn't control the long end. So the issuance is a problem for yeah, me. Huge. That's, wh yeah. that's yeah. where I have the biggest problem here. But, but I do think that the markets overcorrect, they overshoot. And I think that rates are in the process of overshooting with everything that's going on in this volatile world. Well, just uh, let me counter with one thing. The higher the rates, the higher the issuance will continue to go to fund the higher rates. I mean, it's bad. It's right. a vicious cycle. 
Yeah, and, but people will start to buy that 10-year. Once we start to cut, people are going to start to buy the 10-year, and that's inversely correlated, obviously. Coming up, major profit problems for Morgan Stanley. Shares sliding as investment banking revenue plummets. How the results stack up against the competition. And here's a hint, it's not good. And the action in two names catching our traders' eyes. Elevance up with, uh, out with results while Spirit Air Systems get some help from Boeing. The details behind these moves straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Much more fast in two. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Welcome back to Fast Money. A news alert here. The White House saying that the president will deliver an address to the nation tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Eastern time from the Oval Office. He'll discuss America's response to the Hamas terror attacks against Israel and the ongoing war in Ukraine. Again, that's tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Moving on, big bank blues despite an earnings beat. Shares of Morgan Stanley deep in the red today. The bank's all-important wealth management division disappointed, coming in roughly $200 million below estimates. A Leslie Picker spoke with the CFO who said that client portfolios are sitting on 23 percent cash, 23 percent cash and cash equivalents, uh, well above historical averages. Another big disappointment, investment banking revenues, which uh, fell below the one billion dollar mark for the first time in several years. Uh, you guys are really jazzed about Morgan Stanley on the call today. Well, it's it's telling you something about both where asset allocation is and where we probably are. And, and it says something about the equity market, but it certainly says something uh, about where at one point the the I would say the mismatch between where banks were funding and what they had to pay depositors is so different. Uh, now, what we've seen so far in 3Q from the money center banks is that net interest income, um, while is, is under some pressure, was a lot better than expected. So I, I, I just think that the, the dynamics around balance sheet at some of these places is, is the most important thing. But the wealth management revenues, um, look, I, I still get back to the fact that uh, Morgan Stanley has de-risked their business massively. Um, and at some point, the valuation, which trades at a premium to peers, um, is something that gets very interesting. Yeah, so that, that, that's exactly what their strategy is, right? Have a different kind of business model, have a higher multiple that goes along with it. So they have the lumpier parts of their business still, and those were lumpy. Some were okay, some were good, some were bad. But where they get the higher multiple is from the wealth management mm -hmm. business, right? And so for that to be a miss, uh, when you have a higher multiple and you miss, then you get that higher multiple ding on your on your PE. It was a little more of a ding than I thought maybe it should be, but I understand directionally for sure. Investment banking disappointing, wealth management disappointing. I mean, this is that three-pronged animal that was great for them for a while, but when two of the three sort of do poorly, this is what happens. And this move today is on back of a move over the last four or five months that the stock was just trending lower, which is disappointing. 75 bucks, which is where we're trading, 
Line in the sand. Go back to June of last year, and this is where it bounced off of. So I think it needs to hold here. But if the rest of the banks start following in suit, Morgan Stanley won't be spared. I thought it was interesting also that the CEO, uh, James Gorman, said that when the Fed starts cutting, the calendar is going to, yeah. quote unquote, explode yeah. in terms of deals. So. Yeah, and we've, we've had a couple of deals recently, but we, not near where they need to have this deal level. But when you look at the financials, two different animals, Morgan Stanley versus J.P. Morgan. Morgan Stanley down 12% year-to-date. J.P. Morgan is up 8 and change percent year-to-date. So people are hiding in J.P. Morgan until the geopolitical world clears, until the economic world clears. You don't have to buy a financial, but if you, if you want to buy a financial, you buy J.P. Morgan. Coming up, Elevance out with results while Spirit Aerosystems gets a helping hand. The details behind these moves next. And we're keeping an eye on Tesla shares. The company conference call just getting underway in a couple minutes, one minute to be exact. Uh, Tesla shares are up by a percent. We'll bring you all the headlines as they come in. You're watching Fast Money. We're live at the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks selling off as Treasuries uh, yields climb. The 10-year uh, notching another 16-year high in terms of yields. The Dow falling more than 300 points. The S&P dropping 1.3%. And the Nasdaq leading the losses down more than a percent and a half. Shares of Elevance Health initially jumping after reporting results this morning, but losing steam throughout the day. The company beating on the top and the bottom line and also raising its 2023 profit forecast. And Spirit Aerosystems surging more than 23% after coming to a new price agreement with Boeing. The deal helping to shore up the company's production system. Spirit now projecting a near-term revenue boost thanks to the agreement. It comes after some quality issues involving Spirit delayed Boeing deliveries. That's a 23% gain. Guy. Go back and look at where the stock troughed at in 2020. Look at where it recently did. Think about how valuable this property is. Management change may be long overdue. A lot of people will say that. You come to an accord with Boeing, who's your biggest customer, and then you say to yourself, wait a second, there's some runway, no pun intended, for this stock. So uh. I was wrong for a long time, but this might have been the turn. We might go back and look in October of 2023 where you saw a trough in SPR. I don't know about Boeing necessarily, but Spirit Aerosystems for sure. All right. Coming up, the Tesla conference call is underway officially. We will hit all the headlines out of that call in just moments. Fast Money friend Gene Munster will join us for his take and what he wants to hear from the EV maker. Plus, a rebound for Abbott Labs, a medical device maker fighting back against Wall Street's obsession with obesity drugs. Why they're calling it an overreaction and how they're lighting uh, the load, lightening the load for investors. We got all the details when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. More after hours moves to show you Las Vegas Sands higher after reporting inline earnings and a revenue beat. We'll get more on that from Contessa Brewer in just a few minutes. SL Green Realty, meantime, lower after cutting earnings guidance. Zion Bancorp falling after an earnings miss. And shares of Lamb Research lower despite a top and a bottom line beat. Um, turning now to Tesla, shares slightly in the green after reporting earnings. The conference call has just started a few minutes ago now. Fast Money friend Gene Munster is listening in. 
Um, Gene, I don't know if anything's happened yet. The stock is really not doing too much. And I'm wondering how you assess the quarter. There are hits and misses here. More misses than hits, Melissa, in this. Mm -hmm. I think you need to really section this into the near versus the long term. The near term, there's no sugar coating it. This was a disappointment. The central uh, metric uh, was of gross margins, X credits. That was 16.3%. Missed the street at 17.6, down from 29% a year ago. This is the central metric because this is where the story hinges on. Is this a car company or a tech company? So they missed that. That trend is not a friend for Tesla right now. Second, they talked about slowing uh, production of Model Y, uh, production growth of Model Y. And third, uh, the uh, miles driven by FSD came a little bit below what I had expected. I expected greater than 600 million. They did 520, up from 300 last quarter. When you put all this together, as I said, I think that this was a disappointment. I'm surprised that the stock is not down more. I think the reason is this, is that volumes are going to pick up in the December quarter. That should be positive for margins. And I think investors are expecting on the call that's going on now for them to talk about margins improving. So we're waiting for that. And I didn't ask, I did not answer your question, Melissa. What's happened in the call so far? In the first three minutes, Musk came out. He's big into AI. He's, he described it as a massive game changer relative to FSD and how that can kind of change the world. And so it's funny, he's not talking about margins. Uh, that's not usually his uh, forte, but it's all about what they can do in AI and FSD. Yeah, the stock is moving uh, around a lot. Uh, just as you're talking, Gene, we saw a low of one down 1.8 percent, and now it's down by just about one and a quarter percent. Um, in terms of those, I mean, I thought that hitting the hitting the annual number was actually was the hit in the quarter, given the Q3 delivery miss. But you're saying that that is not enough. It's all these other things that that make it just disappointing here. If on the wager, there's three negatives. We outlined them. There are a couple positives. The biggest was that 1.8 million. So they're going to have a record quarter in terms of deliveries. You know, we're, uh, you know, enough through the quarter. They probably got some good visibility on that. So that's clearly a positive. And second is Cybertruck is going to be out. It's coming out November 30th. Uh, this is going to be positive for Tesla shares. And they don't have to sell many of them. They just have to uh, ramp from 5,000 maybe this year to call it 150,000 next year. And I think investors are going to start to see that having a measurable impact on delivery growth. And I just want to uh, highlight that delivery growth. I, I led with the negatives here. It is directionally a negative quarter. But they grew deliveries in the quarter at 28%. The rest of Big Auto in the U.S. grew at 13%. So they 2x what the rest of the industry is doing. Usually they do more than that, usually 3 to 4x. So that's a little bit of a softening. But either way, they're still growing much faster. And I think when you put this together in the long term, I think traditional auto is in a tight spot on, from a lot of different ways. And I think that Tesla's doing the right moves here, investing in the business, negative for margins, but ultimately will reap the benefits of an electrified world along with uh, full self-host driving. So, Gene, something that no one that I hear is that I hear talking about is how they're going to monetize their charging standard. The rest of the EV space has adopted their charging standard. I've seen this. I've seen people call this their AWS moment. I've seen them say possibilities of a five billion dollar business. How do they monetize that? So. Uh, f uh, so far, they've said they're not going to monetize it. So I think that's why it doesn't get credit. But you're doing the right thing by uh, flagging this as an opportunity for them, because 
eventually they're going to be the standard. 75% of cars probably will be charged on their network. I mean, they're effectively, think of all the gas stations you see, they're effectively going to replace those. And eventually they're going to turn the meter on. That's my suspicion is they'll, they'll turn the meter on. And if you go and assume that uh, right now with Rivian, they charge $13 a month for access. Uh, let's say they charge somewhere between $10 and $20. It can add somewhere between 2 to 5% to earnings in the next decade. So it is something that is uh, measurable. The reason why it doesn't add more to earnings is that the top line of uh, the, the car business is just so big that even though it's going from zero to three and a half billion, that's my estimate, it still just doesn't, um, doesn't move the needle as much. By the way, um, one million people have reserved the Cybertruck that's fresh off the conference call. So that's the that's latest number. That's a huge number, there. Melissa. Let me yeah. just quick uh, point that in perspective. F-150 is having difficulties. Best-selling truck in the world. 18% of cars in the world are light trucks. Uh, I, the, the reserve number, that was a, that's a great number. Uh, some of it's fluff because people won't take, take their orders. But if they do half of that, uh, this, this truck's going to be off to a big start. And it's going to just capture the, the uh, excitement of Wall Street in the next six months. Yeah, they're also saying it'll take a year to 18 months for it to be cash flow uh, positive contribute to cash flow. Okay, that's why the Karen. stock must have dipped back there based yeah. on that comment. Gene, it's Karen. So FSD, you know, that's one of, I guess, a couple of holy grails that they have. What's your, how, how valuable do you think that is? What are you modeling? So uh, we have not, I know a lot of people have modeled it. We've just taken the approach of let's get it to be live. Uh, and we think that there's a lot of value in the car business. And I, I want to, I'm going to answer your question, Karen, quickly. But I just want to give some perspective why we haven't modeled it out. The car business today is somewhere between 2.1 and 2.6 trillion dollars. That's the global car business. That's 4x the size of the smartphone business. There's a huge opportunity for Tesla there. So they're talking a lot about FSD. That's a big opportunity. How that plays out comes down to pricing. They've taken it from 15,000 a year to 12,000. It's probably going to come back to somewhere between five to 7,000 a year ultimately. And so uh, I don't have a, a specific answer on that because those the ASP numbers are drifting down so much. But it is the central point of how this uh, business can go from, we talked about 16% gross margins today, to 40% gross margins, Apple-like, in the next decade. All right. Uh, Gene, always good to get your take. Thank you so much for your Thank time. You. Gene Munster, Deepwater Asset, another headline from the uh, call, which is happening right now. Um, energy is becoming the highest margin business. Maybe hmm. not entirely surprising as margins on the auto side come down here. Guy? What's your take? Listen, it's all how the stock trades on the back of what I deem to be a disappointing quarter. I looked on Twitter. Gene just spoke to it. You know, out of the five metrics everybody looks at, three were probably disappointing, if not four. The stock is hanging in there, which is a good sign. Let's see how it reacts. But I would have told you, if you had told me all the things were going to happen with margins, deliveries, revenue. Oh, is this a game? Is this the game that we play? <laughs> if I tell you what happens, right. how will the stock trade? Oh, let's do this. this. I would have said, it's, I would said it's trading 225, easy. And here we are hanging in there at unchanged on the day. 242, 240, uh, that's, that's the level that's, I mean, you know, these uptrends, downtrends, you can, you can get a little cute, but it's holding the bottom end of that range on a, a difficult number. So I think there's enough in there for the bulls. All right, coming up, Abbott Labs shrugging off the tizzy over the weight loss drugs frenzy on Wall Street, what they said and how to trade it next. Plus, we are going to Vegas. Las Vegas stands on the move after reporting results, a live report diving into that quarter. That is ahead. We are back right after this quick break.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Abbott Labs delivering a better than expected prognosis in its Q3 earnings. CEO Robert Ford telling investors on today's call that the market overestimated the impact of obesity drugs on its glucose monitoring products, going as far as to say the drugs could actually boost device sales if used together to manage diabetes. Shares finishing the day up nearly 4%. Still, the stock is down close to 13% this year. We've talked about the impact of these GLP-1 uh, agonists for a long time, especially on this particular segment. We've seen the likes of ResMed, Insulet just get crushed. All of them traded higher today on the back of Abbott. And Abbott last week, Guy, you had mentioned, would be Well, for we talked about the diagnostics metal device business, and they're getting beat up. Medtronic's one of those names. And actually, Abbott said that their medical device business and diagnostics were actually a good. They were a positive in the quarter. The stock is cheap. It's overdone. A lot of people took down their target numbers, yet I think the average on the street is still about 115 to 120, which is still significantly higher than we are right now. Valuation is reasonable. I think they sold it off too hard on the back of all the things we've talked about. This is a name I think you can own here. Just a point of clear. I mentioned ResMed. ResMed obviously does the devices for sleep apnea, but it got clobbered in this whole notion that these obesity drugs could, um, you know, result in a smaller addressable market for this along with Vita also yeah. bounced. I mean, just yeah. all of the, anything, sort of like anything related. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. And, and but remember, the, the driver for this was that study, um, at least part of it, that kidney dialysis study, which was really um, something that was so definitive that, you know, that was the day that the first derivative name sold, not the second. Coming up, check out the after hours action in Las Vegas Sands. Shares on the move after reporting results. Should you roll the dice on this stock? Mm. The details in the mm. trade next. More fast money in two. We're getting some more headlines here out of the Tesla conference call. A quarter of a million cyber trucks to be produced in 2025. That's their target. Uh, Elon is saying that he's worried about high interest rates and he wants to get a better sense of the global economy before uh, committing to a Mexican factory. They also said, we're going to bring back Gene Munster of Deepwater, Gene, that they're advertising, which is a real departure from strategy. So a lot of interesting things so far out of this call. I think you put it all into the category is that the company is going through a transition right now as they're kind of weathering this downturn. And his commentary about the interest rate similar to what he said on past calls. So that doesn't surprise me. Elon can, uh, you know, uh, throw some of these uh, curveballs, but that's one that he has thrown in the past. He also talked about related to that, the interest rates is that this idea of compound 50 percent growth rate, that that's impossible. And so he's just tempering uh, some of the growth expectations essentially for 2025. And as you think about growing a business, as they start to move into advertising, that is a sign that I think the easy money for EVs is off the table. And the fact that they're going to have to start to do some more advertising. Traditional car companies spend about 10% on their of their total uh, uh, budgets on advertising. It's incredible how much they spend. Tesla has been zero to date. And I don't want to uh, kind of confuse uh, the central point here. They're going to have to start to advertise to keep demand up. But that doesn't mean that their opportunity is diminished. It's, it's going to take, you know, 5, 10, 15 years to get to electrification. That uh, future isn't inevitable it is, it is uh, we're going to be there. And I think that they just need to take the proper steps, including advertising, uh, to get there. Any mention or guidance so far on further price cuts, Gene, before we let you I haven't go. heard anything on margins or price mm-hmm. cuts. 
All right. Gene, thanks. Gene Munster, Deepwater. Let's move on here. Got an earnings alert here for you on Las Vegas. Sand shares are higher as estimates came in line, but revenues beat the street and announced a $2 billion stock buyback. Contessa Brewer joins us now with all the details. Contessa. Yeah, Melissa, and the boost in shares was likely driven by that $2 billion share repurchase plan. Through 2025 on the call, Sands President Patrick Dumont indicated there's a shift in sentiment where return of capital, capital to shareholders is concerned, where Sheldon Adelson used to shout, yay, dividends in the earnings calls. Dumont said in the future, the company is going to lean more heavily on stock buybacks. Goldstein said, this is Rob Goldstein, the CEO, hey, look, the stock is now trading at COVID levels. So there's a real opportunity to go in there. And especially as the company says it's sitting on $5.6 billion in cash. Further, the company indicates it's ready to put its money to work in its properties. A massive remodel in Singapore will result in nearly four times the number of suites. That, of course, attracts high rollers. Travel and tourism spending from China's rebounding. That is lifting Singapore and Macau. And in Macau, Melissa, visitation still down 20 percent from pre-pandemic levels. But occupancy at LVS, 96 percent. That's higher than 2019 with more per capita spend. The company says it's, in fact, making more money on retail than pre-COVID days. And Goldstein says the gaming business should follow the same trajectory as Singapore. We're going to hear more from him tomorrow in an exclusive interview on the exchange. That's something you don't want to miss. That'll happen at about 1.30 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow, Melissa. All right. Look forward to that. Contessa, thank you. Contessa Brewer. Uh, Tim, your take on LVS. She's nailing the customer mix is so much better. Profitability. LVS is the best balance sheet. It's got liquidity, uh, 25% discount and record revenues despite 65% GGR. Macau's not as important in terms of the headline. I think people have it wrong. And you also get that Singapore element that she touched on as well, where you don't get with the other ones. But if you believe in the U.S. having a strong economy and we've already been in a recession on the back half of 2022, look for the Vegas stock MGM. Up next, Final Trades. Time for the Final Trade. Let's go around the horn, Tim. Yeah, LBS uh, pullback's been an opportunity. It's 3% pullback. It's got a COVID valuation. Karen? Yeah, so I was away last weekend, went to my high school reunion. Yeah, Beverly Hills High School, ridiculous. Mm. There was a woman there, great coach, educator, Jane Workman, who sent regards from my guidance counselor, Patsy Carter. So hello to Patsy Carter also. Hi, Patsy. Patsy. Yes, hello, Patsy. Patsy. Rocks. Netflix in your final trip. Oh, yeah, thank you, yeah. Netflix. <laughs> Dangerous world out there, general dynamics, probably the recipient of a lot of funds going forward. Got Karen it. was voted most likely to be a badass. <laughs> and that was correct. Yep. Uh, SPR, I think the bottom is in, Melissa. All right. Thank you for watching Fast Money. We will see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. 
That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer, like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.